As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Phantoms. Hi, spooky friends. Spooky friends, back again Here for we another are. spooky episode. Yes, 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 yes. This is this is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And Corinne is taking this episode very, very seriously. <laughs> also, oh wait, that's Corinne, and I'm Sabrina, and we're your oh, ghostesses. Hi. hi, but we decided to do a theme for this encounters episode. Yeah, and it is shadow people, shadow persons, shadow figures. And I joined our little video call, and Corinne looks and appears like a shadow person. Unintentionally backlit. I can't seem to get myself in appropriate lighting <laughs> today. It's just the levels keep shifting on my camera, and I'm just a shadow. It's kind of perfect. It's good. The energy in my space knew what we were going to talk about, and they were like, method acting, man. Let's give it a try. Embrace the shadow. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to embrace the shadows. We're here to embrace your shadows <laughs> because you sent us many, many, many emails. So many. It was actually concerning how many emails we have in our inbox about shadow people. So many. Very creepy. But we picked some out and we're going to read them. Yeah, we are. Who's first? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it matters. But I I can go. Sure. I'll start this off. Great. Okay. This is from Katia. Hi, ghostesses. I'm Katia, and I've been listening for a while now, and I decided that I need to share this story. So here it goes. I just moved out of my childhood home, the only house that I've ever lived in, and it was pretty old. To set the scene, it was in Oregon, so it was rainy, gloomy, about 99% of the time. My house was also backed up against a little hill that had a bunch of dense forest, and our driveway was about a half mile of gravel road with only two other very old neighbors. My house was two stories, four bedrooms, and everything was wood, so it was very creaky. Okay, so now that you have a little bit of the scene set for my home, I have a shadow person story for you. So when I was in middle school, my parents decided that I should have the room that was a little further away from their room since I always had my friends over and we were loud. I love that. The parents are like, get on the other side of the house. We don't want you near us. Very far away. My room at the time was downstairs. If you stood in my doorway, you could see down the hall into the dining room and then into the doorway to the kitchen. Since I'm an only child and there are two open bedrooms upstairs, I got to have one as my new room. My mom decided to help me move all of the things over spring break of my eighth grade year, and I enlisted the help of my friend to help me move my things. So, while I was making mac and cheese for all of us for lunch, 
They were cleaning out the last few things in my room. Yes, I was kind of a hoarder as a kid. Yes, I still am. No, I won't stop. (laughs) I grabbed them both bowls of mac and cheese and I yelled, lunch is ready, and then walked towards my room. Again, from the kitchen, I could see straight into the doorway of my room. I saw someone walk through the middle of my room and they seemed super tall, but I didn't think anything of it. I got to my room and I held out the bowl of mac and cheese for whoever was in my room, but there was no one. I turned around and my mom and my friend were coming down the hall. They'd been upstairs, probably thinking, what the fuck is she up to? And that was the first time I ever encountered something paranormal. And it was pretty tame, but from then on, I kept seeing this thing. Every time the door was open to that room, the room that I used to sleep in, I saw a dark, humanly mass that just stood there as tall as the doorway. Now that I'm writing this story, I may have I may have made a connection between that and something that happened when I was really little. Maybe it's related. Almost every night, though, my sheets would very slowly be tugged off my bed. And no matter how hard I pulled, I couldn't get them back on. And this went on for years. Ooh. But things weren't this nice for too long. It started sitting in my great grandma's old chair in the corners. When I was upstairs in my new room, I woke up exactly at 3 a.m. A lot. Sometimes I'd wake up and my closet doors would just be slowly opening and I'd see the figure in the doorway. Mm-mm. This went on up through my sophomore year of high school. And that was the worst year ever in high school. I had some things happen to me and made my parents put me in therapy. I don't know who this therapist lady was, but I talked to her about my paranormal experiences. I told her that I could see people's auras and I could feel good or bad energy in places or even with people. And I told her about the shadow man. I told her all of this because I thought I could trust someone like that. But she said, the things you see are your angels. And that's all. That week, I saw the thing almost constantly. I experienced sleep paralysis for the first time, and I had the most terrifying nightmares that I've ever had. This thing was not an angel. Thanks, creepy therapist lady. (laughs) After almost three years of dealing with all of this, I decided... No more shadow man. I got home from school one day. I stood in the kitchen. I faced the shadow standing in my room. I mimicked how it stood. And at the top of my lungs, I screamed at it to leave me alone. It wasn't instant, but within the next few weeks, I almost completely stopped seeing it. I still see the shadow people, but never again at my house after that. There's definitely a plethora of other ghosties, good and bad, at the house, but they are pretty chill except when someone decided to throw my phone across the room. Anyways, there's a little story for you guys. I have a few other spooky stories, one about a creepy ghost thing that dressed like my dad, ooh, doppelganger, but wasn't my dad, and the time that I think I was in a trance or maybe possessed for like three weeks. Whoa. Three weeks! What? (laughs) Tell, Tell us. I need to know. We need to know. Thank you so much for reading Gal Pals and Kitty Friend. See you on the other side. Maybe we can eat some (laughs) mac and cheese. (laughs) Katya. I know why you picked this one, because it had shadow people and mac and cheese in the I subject know. line. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe the first time Katya saw the shadow person was when she was moving out of that room. Yeah, which is it makes me wonder if it had always been in there and it was just happy with her presence or maybe just there was something about her that kind of kept it at bay and then when she moved out it was like all right i get a free room i'm moving in i like this space yeah i mean she mentioned that the thing would or while she slept in that room growing up the sheets would always be pulled off her feet so it could be the same spirit but i don't know or maybe it came out because it it heard mac and cheese 
Well, her the the title, the email subject was the Shadow Man didn't want my mac and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he did, or it did. It just didn't know how to show itself fully. I don't know. Who doesn't want mac and cheese? Yeah, you know it's odd. I feel like we often say he when we're referring to shadow people, but I think a lot of them do have a bit of a masculine energy. Well, yeah. I mean, they call it Shadow Man, Hat Man. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's no gender or sex really it's just like a an amorphous entity that often outputs evil vibes true i'm kind of getting the feeling from katia's story that it wasn't there for any good sort of reason but it's also i think it's it sounds like it was almost stuck in this one room right it would i don't know hover in the doorway and it would never exit the doorway it would just kind of stare at her like there was the shield that prevented it from moving out of the room But, and I don't know about timeline because she moved to a room on the second floor and then she wrote that she would see it in in her closet after that. So it does feel like it followed her. Yeah, you're right. And sitting in her great grandma's chair. Oh no, maybe it was mobile. (laughs) I want to believe that it was stuck and that you could just avoid it. I know. I know. But yeah, I don't know. Okay. We've talked about shadow people before, but how there, I think there are a multitude of versions of shadow people. There are, mm-hmm. there are like the dark entities that you experienced when you were a kid that like made you terrified. And I think what a lot of the stories that we're going to read today are, but then we've also talked about how spirits sometimes can't show themselves fully and right. they appear like these darker than dark, just like shapes because right. that's just like Either all the, that they can show. Yeah. The inability to show themselves or that something happened in their passing that was tragic mm-hmm. and they choose to cloak themselves because they're pre- still presenting themselves as right the version of themselves when they were injured or when they died, which to anyone might be a scary sight. Right. Exactly. Beyond just seeing a spirit. Yeah. <laughs> they're all creepy. Outside I mean, of seeing a ghost. <laughs> I guess you just have to trust your instincts and your Mm -hmm. gut in that moment and or your pets if they're there is this entity giving off bad vibes or good vibes and it sounds like with katya it was bad vibes yeah and i'm glad that she trusted herself and didn't trust someone else like her therapist in this case that hadn't experienced that sort of thing hadn't been there present and so it was so easy i'm sure for her therapist to say something that she thought at the time was comforting like oh it's Mm -hmm. just your angel but i think that that can be dangerous if someone is trusting what someone else says over their own gut feeling especially when we're dealing with the paranormal so trust yourself yeah yeah because the other person other people aren't experiencing what you're experiencing Mm -hmm. okay i have a story from nicole and it's called shadow people and aliens Ooh, i know why you chose this one Oh, golly. Okay. Hello. I just discovered your podcast and recently after hearing one episode, I knew I had to share encounters of mine and others close to me. I only had two encounters recently. It relates to my boyfriend, so I will feel it come in full circle. This email will be mostly of my boyfriend's experiences because he had more personal experience and I'm always at all with them while he just is so neutral and used to it by now. So here are our stories and I hope you get to read it on your podcast. My boyfriend was a church boy growing up, but no longer is. However, he still believes in a higher power and believes in an afterlife and spirituality. I always feel like spiritual people are more sensitive to the supernatural and paranormal and have like some kind of sixth sense. 
My boyfriend always tells me his experiences with shadow people and how common it is for him to see them. The first story he told me was back when he lived in this house by himself before we dated. It was a small living area, and one time in the middle of the night, he woke up half asleep and sat up on the edge of his bed with his feet touching the floor. As he sat on his bed, he saw what looked like a black figure standing in front of him. He looked up and saw a shadow figure with a cowboy hat standing in front of him. He didn't think much of it at the time and went back to sleep and then quickly woke up almost immediately after realizing what he saw. He frantically looked around his small living area, checked his doors to see if they were unlocked and no one was there and the doors were all locked. After that, he pretty much stayed up the whole night freaking out until the sun finally came up. After we started dating, he continuously told me that he would see shadow figures appear from time to time. And it was usually when we were on vacations together. He would see them pop up all over the place, like in Europe or New Orleans, Las Vegas, Columbus, Ohio. And that's only to name a few. He always saw them near the bed or across the room and would usually tell me the next day like it was no big deal why I would freak out but then also (laughs) geek out about it. Fast forward to now, and he started getting activity in the apartment he's currently living in, but it's only in the room that he sleeps in. He would feel things like being tapped on the chest or being pushed to be woken up and hearing sounds or voices or a whistle in the middle of the night. Since I started sleeping over, I feel like I've experienced something on two separate occasions. The first was when I was sleeping and I started to feel pressure on my throat as if someone had a hand over my neck. Have a sleep. I wasn't thinking much of it. I just thought maybe I was sleeping in a weird position or something else. So I tried to go back to sleep, but the pressure just kept getting stronger and tighter till it felt like I wasn't able to breathe to a point where I was gasping for air, basically choking. I opened my eyes and all I could see is my boyfriend sleeping with his back facing me. I tried to move, but I couldn't. I tried to move my hand, nothing. My finger, nothing. My legs and feet were numb. Mm. I tried to move to wake my boyfriend, but I couldn't. I even tried calling his name, but nothing was coming out of my mouth. I feel like I was having sleep paralysis. And at this point, I was freaking out until after a few minutes, I was able to breathe normally again. My throat felt free and my body was able to move again. The next day, I asked my boyfriend if he felt me struggling and gasping, and he said he hadn't. Another night in his room, he woke up and saw a shadow person with no legs staring at him, and then run across his room straight to the internet box and disappear completely. That time really freaked him out because he had had enough of it at that point. And after that night, we decided to sage his room to remove the bad energy. I did the first session saging his room, but he still felt a heaviness and a negative presence slash energy. So he did the second round of saging, and it apparently did the job. He hasn't had any more incidents in his room, while I've only had one mild experience after that. It was very late at night, and I heard a voice next to my ear that said, Nico. Nico is my nickname that my family and very limited people know or call me by. And no one at my boyfriend's place had ever called me that, and only my boyfriend had called me it. But not that night. That night, I heard a voice directly in my ear, whisper, Nico. I woke up instantly thinking that my boyfriend had called me, but I looked over and he was sound asleep. All I could think of was that maybe it was my cousin who had passed away. I'm not sure, but that was my only experience since... We saged the place. My boyfriend does continue to see shadow people here and there, and it seems like only when he travels or at his job. At work, he'll always see some passing by his work door, and he'll just see it out of the corner of his eyes. But at this point, it's just normal. So now I have a bonus story. It's an alien story, and I'll keep it short. It's a funny twin moment. 
One summer, me and my twin were doing a road trip with my cousin and his college friends from Arkansas to California. While driving through Texas one night, me and my sister were sitting in the back seat. One of us was on the left side of the window and the other on the right side. We were both looking outside at the stars and the scenery like it was all new to us. And while I was looking at the sky, I saw one star, in quotes, that quickly zapped down and disappeared. It moved so quickly and it was unlike anything I had ever seen before. And instantly I thought UFOs. After seeing that, I turned over to tell my sister. And as soon as I turned my head, my sister was turning over to me and we just stared at each other, both knowing we both saw something very unusual. Mind you, both of us were back to back when this happened, minding our own business and drawing our own independent views. She saw the same thing, but on her side. And at the same time, we both said, did you see that? And we were like, oh my God, aliens? Question mark. Another twin moment, of course, but it was just unique. Thank you guys for reading, Nicole. Wow. Okay. I don't mean to point fingers at our boyfriend, but it kind of sounds <laughs> like he sees a whole lot of shadow people and the hat man. And so I'm wondering if some of her sleep paralysis and her own experiences happened because she is <laughs> around him. Yeah. And it seems like he's open enough that things are ever present. Yeah. I mean, he sees things all the time out of the corner of his eyes at work at home when he travels. I mean, maybe it's one figure following him, but it's probably also likely that he's just open to the paranormal and there are ghosts trying to talk to him all the time. Yeah, true. Or some, or there's just one shadow man following him. I don't know. Yeah. And then the fact that she said her name was said out loud makes me think, or her nickname that hadn't been, I mean, either, either it is something that knows her, the paranormal world knows more than we know. And so knowing a nickname is not something unheard of mm -hmm. um, when not said out loud. But it also makes me wonder if it was her cousin or it was a loved one who realized that there was something bad near her and around right. her. Because the other thing is it didn't just say her name out loud. Like it, it kind of whispered it, which is to me, it sounds almost nicer in the way mm -hmm. that it went about saying her name. Like it didn't want to spook her. It was just like, hey, I'm here. are you awake? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean- What's cool about that when you say it that way is like, while Nicole's had some scary experiences with her boyfriend, if he's really that open, maybe being around him is what allowed her cousin to come say hi, you know? Mm -hmm. Like he's True. kind of the conduit to the paranormal world. Yeah. We got to be nice to her boyfriend. Let's redeem him <laughs> a little bit after I just blamed him it's for not paranormal his activity. Fault. It's not his fault. No, it's not. The ghosts just like him. He can't help it. He's just a little open. They feel comfortable around yeah. him. And he also seems very calm for yeah. the most part, aside from a couple of things that happened. But I don't think I'll ever get used to paranormal experiences. I don't think so either. I think what's interesting is talking about it scares me so much. And then when I actually experience it, it's the aftermath that really scares me. In the moment, I'm like, well, that was weird. Yeah. I feel like very calm the moment that it happens. And then five minutes later, I'm entirely freaked out. And I'm like, I can't be in my own space. I need <laughs> someone to hold my hand and walk around with me. I've been having some weird stuff happen to me while I'm staying in this hotel, mostly being dream stuff. But I've been having some <gasps> really terrifying nightmares. And the other day I was like re I was like in the shower, just like reliving my nightmare. And it was like a paranormal nightmare, like a very, very spooky, like ghost nightmare. Or demon nightmare. Who knows what it was? Oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, a piece of the wall in the bathroom literally flew off the wall and fell into the bathroom floor. <laughs> I was just like, no. 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 <laughs> like, where did that come from? 
my god that's really scary sabrina i know and i was just trying to be like okay it's just the the moisture in the air because i'm taking a very hot shower and it's just making the wall fall yeah. apart have you been dreaming about spiders no no okay I thought maybe maybe I was I keep having nightmares about spiders, which is very uncommon for me. And I thought maybe somehow I was connected to you and I was visiting you and seeing your nightmares. (laughs) No, mine have been like, well, I told you about the one which was a good experience. And then Mm -hmm. the other ones have been and I want to turn these into movies because I I woke up from multiple of these nightmares being like, okay, I'm terrified. I need to turn a lamp on. But also. That was like a really cool dream. <laughs> My brother and I have said that for a long time. We're like, God, how much money would you save if you could just like on production and shooting, if you could just <laughs> extrapolate all of your dreams and just play those. Put it on a film. I know. Yeah. Here's that's a like, horror movie for you right like here. Every night I produce episode. a new one. So the one was like about this woman who lived in a house with her two daughters and weird things started happening. And she like walked down into the kitchen in the middle of the night and I don't know who I was in this dream, but it was just happening. Anyway, so this woman walks down into the kitchen. Maybe I was her. She walks down into the kitchen and sees one of her daughters standing at the freezer. And she thinks that, like, the kid is, like, eating ice cream late in the middle of the night. And so she goes to, like, say something to her. And the daughter, like, turns her head at her really <gasps> creepily and stares at her. And then all of a sudden, like, some weird, creepy, scary entity reaches out from inside the freezer and grabs the daughter and pulls oh her God. inside. And oh, then, like, I the chills. mom had to, like, sprint and try to, like, grab the entity or grab her daughter and pull her daughter out of the freezer, like, tugging and, like, pulling her out of this demonic entity, freezer Jeez. entity's hands. And then also pulls out the demon entity thing that's still, like, attached to the daughter. And so she tries to, like, throw the entity off. And then she's, like, banging the entity against the wall. And all of a sudden she looks and it's the daughter. <gasps> oh, my God, Sabrina. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm gonna be scarred. So that was dream one, and then another one. Jesus. Oh my god! This is the worst thing I've ever heard. But it's creepy, right? Like it's so good. TM TM. TM. <laughs> Just gonna say that. <laughs> and then the other one was um. What is happening? What's happening? I hear something. Oh my god, my heart. I think. The, the housekeeping is in the room next to me and they were like opening the window or something, but it sounded like something crawling up the building into my room. <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. I think we could. I think that was probably caught on the microphone because I heard it through the headphones. Oh, okay. I don't want to talk about my dreams anymore. Okay. Don't. Don't. Tell me later. I will. But I'll tell you, I had the weirdest thing that happened to me. It was the first time that this has ever happened to me. And my, my poor boyfriend was there as witness. And I was like, <laughs> you're not going to leave me after that, right? <laughs> I had, it was like my fourth dream about spiders in the past two weeks. Oh my gosh. And I, Sabrina, I didn't think this was a dream. Like I still am having a hard time understanding where it went from dream to me being awake. My recollection of it is that I woke up in the middle of the night and I looked up at my drapes, my blinds on the window that are right behind me, the Mm -hmm. curtains. And there was this huge black spider with like a white marking on the side coming around it and moving pretty quick down towards me. No, And it was was like a split second. I saw it and I was up out of the bed and I was running into the kitchen 
And I was in the kitchen. I was screaming for Brian. I said, come here, come here. And I was yelling for him. And he gets up and he goes, this is, this is why I don't know where it went from dream to reality. Cause his recollection is I'm screaming and I'm like barely making sense. I'm screaming. And he runs out into the kitchen and he says, I'm looking at the door. But in my, my recollection is that I was very tongue tied because I had essentially just woken up and I was trying to tell him what was happening and I was struggling for words. And he said what I remember saying, which was spider, spider, (laughs) and pointing into the room. And he turns on the lights and he looks and there's nothing. But Sabrina, I'm telling you, this thing was freaking huge, huge. And I don't know why I would have woken up right in the moment that it was moving down towards me. But here's why I don't know if it was real or not. It shouldn't be inside. Nothing should be able to get inside. Not something that big, at least in my apartment, because I'm not on the first floor. I also put tape like window seal tape around all of my windows because I'm in an old apartment. The windows are old. It lets in a lot of air. Mm -hmm. So the cracks are taped up. And then I also, when I first moved in, put this like mock molding Mm -hmm. uh, grout around all of the cracks on the baseboards. So literally nothing should be able to come in. So something that's the size of a baseball should not be able or a little larger should not be able to come in and then immediately he checked and we didn't see anything granted if it's that big it can probably move real quick well if it's that big also i feel like you'd be able to see it very easily and so even if it can move quickly you would be able to find it yes here's what i'm afraid of and maybe it's because we're talking about shadow people and like entities and stuff but like what if like the spider isn't a spider, but it's like appearing as a spider, but it's like a dark entity or something like that. In your dream, you felt this thing coming towards you. It was coming you, for me. And you woke up and ran. Well, the the second of me waking up from this dream to actually being, I think I, in my dream, moved my body up I'm and I sure. must have woken up halfway off my bed, like already running away. I believe it. I did look up. I spent three hours looking up photos of New no. England spiders. I can't believe you were looking at them. I did. It was the worst thing I ever did. And you want to know why it's really bad was because I found one that looks a lot like it. No. Yeah. It's a wolf spider, which, oh, oh God, man, I, I don't even so, want to. I have like, ugh. I'm looking behind my back now. I feel, yeah. I feel like very, I don't know. Ugh. I've checked. I will say the next day I like really went through my room and checked every corner and was waiting for something to just pop out and jump on my face and eat me alive. But it didn't happen. But yeah, that was the first time I keep having dreams of spiders. And that was the first time ever. Is it the same spider in every dream? No, it's different. I don't like this. I and a different amount of spiders too. Like that was a huge one coming for me. But the one before that I had was a bunch of, it was essentially like this carcass and a bunch of little tiny brown spiders were all coming out of it. Mm-mm. And I was just observing it. But this was the first time that I was like in it and I was about to be attacked. Mm-mm. I don't know what's happening, but there better not be a fucking spider because I will burn this apartment down to the ground with me in it. Well, I don't want you to do that. Please don't do that. Me neither. But if you come to the next recording and I'm bald, it's because I think a spider is in my hair and I shave my head. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real possibility. This is why I braid my hair now. Nothing to (laughs) me. Oh. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Yeah, that spider talk really made me want to, like, sink into this bed. I know. It's really scary. And the worst part is that I'm recording from my bed right now because it's better (laughs) sound quality in the room. If you see something, say something, because I will freaking sprint. I will break all my recording equipment to get off of this bed. It's worth it. It's all replaceable. It's replaceable and... (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. I'm getting the heebie-jeebies. We'll read another story. Let's get scared by something aside from spiders. Okay. Okay. Well, let me read this email from Jason. This will help us, but probably not. (laughs) I'm sure this is scary. Hello, my ghostesses with the mostesses. LOL. Love, love, love the podcast. I call myself a ghostarino because every week I can't start my 50 mile drive to work without listening to my two favorite podcasts, which are yours and my favorite murder. Oh, I love that. I'm a big MFM listener as well. So your recent episode about shadow people really intrigued me. I'd never heard the term before, and I feel compelled to share my story about some weird things that have never before made any sense to me. I apologize for the long email, but I am long-winded. So here it goes. I love it. It all starts with my friend. Let's call her Cindy. Years ago, her husband Bill passed away, and she moved to the town that I lived in. She moved into a cute condo that we all loved to hang out in and enjoy. In one of the two bedrooms there, she kept some of her husband's personal items in the room, such as golf balls and sports memorabilia that were her own little dedication to him. It was his room. She got an amazing promotion and she decided to move out of state. We wished her well and another two of my friends, Laura and Robert, decided to rent the condo from her until it sold. It was perfect. Robert was gone out of town a lot for his job and really just needed a place to crash now and then. And Robert took Bill's room since it was a smaller room and he didn't need any larger closet space. Since we were all friends, I would spend many nights there to reduce my commute time and sleep in Robert's room. Laura worked a 9 to 5 and I worked a 10 to 7, so we both kept pretty normal hours. Robert decided to take the extra room. It wasn't until about two months into the rental that weird things started to happen. The house had cold hardwood floors. I usually anticipated putting my bare feet on the cold floor every morning as I would crawl out of bed to get my day started. One morning, the floor was hot. So hot that I thought maybe the place was on fire. But I looked around and nothing was there. The heat went away and it never came back. 
And then the figure started appearing. Nope. I remember having a hard time sleeping one night. I have chills. I couldn't get myself to nod off. I finally did. But then in the middle of the night, I had this weird feeling that I was being watched. I opened my eyes and there he was, a shadow man. He was about seven feet tall, lanky arms and legs, and what I would consider wispy looking fingers. Nope. He had odd eyes and looked hollow, but backlit in some odd way. Just like you, Corinne. I know. (laughs) Hollow. Well, I don't know about wispy or lanky. (laughs) More like sturdy and grounded. Backlit. (laughs) Backlit for sure. (laughs) I jumped out of bed and I screamed. He went away and I didn't tell anyone what happened that night and I just racked it up to being a nightmare. A month later, I was at home myself and I was cooking dinner. I heard a sound in the back bedroom and it sounded like the closet door being opened. I walked down the hallway and when I got halfway... There he was again, this time standing in front of the entrance to the room. And at that point, I was freaked the fuck out and I got in my car and I left. I came home that night and I slept in my own bed. I confided in a friend who advised me that the next time it happened to tell the spirit or whatever it was to go away and tell it not to come back. Two days later, I'm asleep in the room again. And sure enough, I get this feeling that I'm being watched. I roll over and there is a shadow man again staring at me. I grabbed my phone and the light from the phone screen made him go away. I screamed, which at that time I now realize the neighbors probably think that I was (laughs) going a little berserk. Go away. You are not welcome here. And you're not fucking funny. Oh my God. (laughs) As a neighbor, I think I would be panicked if I heard someone say that in the middle of the night. Yeah, I'd be very concerned. At the time, I didn't think anything of it, but I never saw him again. Robert lost his job for a short amount of time, so I stopped staying at the condo as much as I did. Robert and I were having a conversation one evening, and he said to me, You know you're welcome to stay there whenever you want. Maybe you can sleep on the couch or something. And I told him that I didn't think that that was a good idea because of what had been going on. I then had to confess to him about the shadow man, and I told him everything that happened. Robert looked at me like I was insane, and he got up from the table. He looked at me, and he said, I thought I was the only one that saw him. Robert, oh, chills again. Robert told me that he had been approached and watched by the shadow man multiple times as well, usually when he was asleep or when he rolled over in his sleep in the middle of the night. Robert also said that there were times when his bedroom lamp would flicker after he yelled at the shadow man to go away and he wouldn't see him for many nights after this. I had not thought about this until I listened to your last podcast and it dawned upon me that maybe I was not alone. I can't help but think that maybe the shadow man had something to do with Cindy's husband's passing. I mean, for years, all of his stuff was in his room. And then suddenly she packs it all up and she moves away. Maybe it's correlated. I'm not sure. But the condo has sold. And every time I drive near there, I want to stop and ask the people who live there if they've seen him. But I don't want to make the shadow man angry. Thank you for reading. Great job on the podcast and for being so entertaining. Jason. Ooh, that's really spooky. I I don't want to, I don't think it's associated with Cindy's husband because it's so dark. I know it is really dark. But maybe it has to do with like the sorrow that Cindy was experiencing after moving into the condo and it was, you know, getting energy off of her sadness or trying to use that to its benefit. Right. And the other thing too is what if it I agree. And I think that that's very likely. But the other thing, too, is that it was a room filled with his belongings. And so I don't know what those belongings are, but could it be that there was this thing that was always sort of attached Mm. to an item and had always been around, but hadn't had the 
opportunity to present itself because Cindy and her husband were so happy and so full of love and there was so much joy and the energy was great. And so it was basically suppressing this spirit. But after the death, it had this room to to express itself and haunt everyone. Express itself. Yeah. I don't know, but I think you're on to something, you know, after someone passes or after something tragic happens, there is this energy, this negative or sorrowful energy that's projected and that attracts things that are are negative. I mean, that's what I think the last uh, episode we had, we had a listener story from the old Charleston jail Mm -hmm. in Charleston, South Carolina. And there's an entity there that came essentially to feed on the souls who were sad and deprived and yeah, yeah, so that's why it just makes me mad because it's like, why you got to be so evil and also like pick on the people who are down, you know, mm-hmm. just, why you got to be so rude. It just makes me want to have a word with them and be like, why you got to be so mean? What's the root of this? Yeah. If only we could contact the dead. <laughs> just be therapists for the evil, evil entities. Yeah. Sorry, I can't make it to dinner tonight. I have a... A last minute session with Amelia from 1620. She she called me. With Satan. Really needs to talk. Yeah. Satan needs um a last minute therapy session. Yeah. 3 a.m. therapy. <laughs> so it's the only time that's good for him. It's 3.33 a.m. on the dot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Creepy. I'm glad that Jason doesn't live there permanently because that's just... No one needs yeah. to have a shadow person lurking, watching them while they sleep. Right. And it's also possible that the shadow person was literally just there all the time. And it just yes. happened to be in the room that she put her husband's things in. And maybe she didn't experience much because she was in the other room. Didn't spend maybe too, too much time going into that room. Right. So I don't know. But yeah, best best uh, thing is that they're not in that condo anymore. Yeah. There's the positive. Okay doesn't mean shadow people aren't haunting other people because they are (laughs) (laughs) okay so this is a story from jessica and it's called pushed by a ghost slash shadow person in my bed hey ladies i'm pretty new to the podcast lynn's over at scared to death mentioned you two and i figured if she likes you you must be good and i'm really enjoying the podcast you two seem so genuine and real and i love it i have so many strange unexplainable experiences but i'm gonna pull out the main ones for you My family lived in the parsonage, the house on the property of a church, but not a church my family attended. We lived here from when I was 14 to 18, and I am now 25. We were the caretakers of the church. Long story of how we ended up there that I won't delve into, but every single evening that we lived in that house, my family would go over to the church and clean it. And weird things happened in both the house and the church. I remember joking with my dad that they were probably haunted, and he said, of course not, it's holy land. Obviously, he's never heard any scary stories. Weird things happened in the church all the time. To start, literally everyone that attended the church other than the pastor were the meanest, most negative, and nasty people I have ever met. I am sure it had something to do with the energy in the church. When we would go to clean, however, we always went after the building was empty. We had the stereotypical ghost stories of lights turning on and off, and usually when I would leave the fellowship hall and turn to go up the stairs, the kitchen light would flick on. So I would literally run to shut it back off and run back to the stairs. And if they turned on again after that, I just left them and said, screw that. There were times my brother and I would go over at night alone to clean. And I would swear we would hear my dad calling us. 
So we would run upstairs and no one would be there. One specific time that this happened, we ran upstairs and my dad wasn't there. So we went back down. We were literally running through the hall in the dark so we wouldn't have to go back for the lights to get back to the fellowship hall. And without me knowing, my brother turned into a room that had two entrances and he came out on the other side of the hall. I thought my brother pushed me and I went flying through the air and I ended up lying on the ground in an incredible pain. And I was so pissed that he pushed me so hard. But then I saw my brother was standing in the doorway about 15 feet away and he was asking me what happened. All of a sudden you were just flying through the air. I was so confused because I knew I felt someone push me, but my brother wouldn't have been close enough to do it. I asked him recently what he remembered about the event, and he said when he came through the door, it looked like I was literally gliding through the air, and it didn't look like I just fell. I ended up spraining my ankle that night, and I actually crawled home. I never had to clean the church again after that because we moved shortly after my ankle healed. Thank God. So much more happened there, but the injury was definitely the biggest. Now to the house on the property. I always hated it, and it had awful vibes. A lot happened here too. Stereotypical stuff again, lights flickering, doors opening and closing, that kind of stuff. But the scariest thing that ever happened to me at this house was my visitor. I saw it only once. When I was younger, I never had trouble sleeping, and I would fall asleep and sleep like the dead. There was a time at that house, though, for about two weeks, that I woke up every single morning like a cruel joke at 3.13 a.m. I had never heard of the witching hour, so I was just annoyed about it and thought it was a weird coincidence. I even remember telling my mom, I wake up at the exact same time every morning and I'm so sick of it. Eventually, it stopped after my visitor. I woke up at 3.13 one more time and looked to see my phone and the time and I laughed. I fell back asleep. The next morning, same thing. I woke up, grabbed my phone, expected 3.13, but no, this time... It was 3.11 a.m. I remember thinking, huh, that's weird. I put my phone back down and closed my eyes to go back to sleep. But suddenly, I could feel the foot of my bed starting to impress like someone was sitting on it. I usually sleep in the fetal position so my feet wouldn't have been that close to it. And I slowly lifted my head, expecting to see my mom there or someone. And all I could see was the impression in my bed and a shadow where a person should have been. For some stupid reason, I sat up and started to reach forward towards it. And as I started to reach, it kind of recoiled and the impression went away and the thing was gone. When I checked my phone again, it was 3.13 a.m. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. And at that point of my life, I had never heard of shadow people. So I had no idea what I had just encountered. It does kind of make me wonder, though, was he there every night at 3.11 and was leaving when I woke up at 3.13? We lived at that house for four years, and we only stayed for financial reasons, and those four years were so hard on my family, the negativity in that house was the worst I've ever experienced. So those are my spookiest experience. I hope you liked them. Much love, Jessica. Okay. (laughs) I can't get over her basically being, like, floated and flown through the air. Thrown. Yeah. Enough where she sprained her ankle. That's some serious business, and you need to not be around whatever the heck did that to you. You must banish it. I wonder if it's the same thing that would sit on her bed every night. And it's so weird because the thing just stopped appearing the time that she reached towards it. You know, I really, truly believe that it was sitting on her bed for two minutes every single night. And she finally saw it. And then when she reached towards it, it like stopped appearing to her. Yeah. It was like, oh, now you acknowledge me. I don't know. This is so Monsters Inc. It's like she acknowledged it. And 
maybe didn't react in such a fearful way. She was very much like boo. And so they were like, oh, yeah, not going through that door again. <laughs> Mark this one as an X. Do not enter. It is funny because when I think of Monsters, Inc., I'm like, oh, they're so cute. But then I think about the concept of what Monsters, Inc. is like in the movie. They're like trying to scare kids. That is terrifying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it's so interesting because like we've said before, this is a church. It's a religious place. And yet for some reason, it has such negative energy mm-hmm. and really scary things that happen. Right. Any place can be haunted. Any person can be haunted. This is what we're preaching. I know. (laughs) It doesn't matter what happens, what good, what bad. Any place is fair game. Okay, well, let's just say I hope my hotel room is not haunted. (laughs) I hope so, too. But after recording, I'm not so confident Uh. that that it's not in all your dreams and everything. Okay, what do you have? Alrighty, I have a story from Corey. Hi, Sabrina and Corinne. Love the podcast. I've been doing a bit of a binge listen while at work, and you guys do a fantastic job. So I was listening to your podcast on shadow people and decided to share my experiences with shadow people. So growing up, my family had always had strange things happen around the house that we lived in. The older I got, the more centered around me these events seemed to become. I hadn't seen a shadow person until I was around 12, and we had moved into a larger, old Victorian-style home built in the late 1880s. This is where the first and darkest experiences happened with shadow people. Now, the experiences that I've had are with two very distinct shadow people that emit entirely different energies. The first shadow person I've seen is who I refer to as the sad man. The first time I saw him, I'd woken up and through the doorway, I could see into the Darien Hall. And this is where I saw him standing in the middle of the upstairs hallway. He was around five and a half feet tall, and he appeared to be of average build. Once the initial shock washed away, this immense sadness and despair crashed over me. I tried to close my eyes and put it out of my mind, but each time I opened my eyes, he was still there, and he was standing in the moonlight, staring directly through me. Eventually, I grew tired and I fell back asleep. The next few days, the feeling of despair lingered. It felt as if he was always there behind me, just staring through me into my soul. Now, he never felt sinister, and I was never intimidated by him, but he always felt as if he was lost, as if he was depressed. This, however, is completely different than my other experience, which happened right after I witnessed the sad man. This entity is massive, standing well over six and a half feet tall, shoulders broad, broader than most doorways. The energy he emits is heavy and oppressive. The air becomes stale and almost musty immediately Mm. in his presence. My most terrifying encounter with him was when I went down into the basement, which I never enjoyed doing in the first place. Nope. Our basement was unfinished and still retained the old coal room from the house's original boiler. Our basement was split into four sections. I had to go and retrieve something from one of the rooms that was by the coal room. And as I'm rummaging through the box, I noticed something to the right of the doorway. I grabbed what I was looking for and I turned towards the doorway. And this is when I noticed the coal room was unusually dark. Then this entity moved and I noticed him, the distinct Mm -mm. difference between the darkness of the coal room and him. As he moved towards the doorway and ducked under it to go through, I am struck with primal fear and I feel myself paralyzed (gasps) as I stand toe to toe with this figure. He towers over me and I stare into the abyss for what seemed like ages. I feel my blood start to surge as my heart is kicked into overdrive and the adrenaline begins to course through my body. 
I snap out of the paralysis and run as quick as I could, bolting straight up the stairs and into the kitchen. And with a swift spin, I slam the door shut and I lock the door behind me and I hear a heavy shuffle of boots below (gasps) as it approaches the bottom of the stairs. I hear the creak of the bottom step and then nothing as if he vanished on the stairs. Oh, (gasps) these are just a couple of the encounters that I've had between the two of these shadow people. I see them several times a year over a decade, and I've seen them in multiple houses, even though I do not live in them as well, as well as outside of the current property that I live in along the tree line. Whoa. Though I've never seen them both at the same time, I believe them to be different entities. Their energy is unmistakable, and I could never mistake them. I haven't seen either of them in a couple of years, but that is a story for another time. I've had a ton of experiences, both good and bad, but I hope you enjoyed reading this and keep up the awesome show, Corey. Okay, the fact that they're following Corey. Right. And are so different. Like, because at first when I heard about the kind of more depressed, sad one, I was like, oh, maybe it's just a spirit that's lost. Same. And appearing just because that's where maybe it died or or I don't know. I don't know what it is specifically. But now that I've learned that they're following Corey through these different places, I, I wonder if it's a relative or someone that Corey knows that needs help. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but you make a good point because I too, that first one, I was like, oh, this is the exact example of what we were talking about before where someone passes and they don't choose to show themselves right? other than this cloaked sort of blocked out figure. But now that it's following Corey around, it makes me think that this is a different tactic. This is a different form of manipulation by the shadow figure to essentially make Corey feel the sadness, feel the despair, wear Corey down to the point where Corey's energy level is such that these two shadow figures, if they're working in tandem or not, can essentially feed on on this low level. This Oh, so you went dark with this. I went dark. Yeah. You were like, maybe a relative? And I was like, no. Something I just, like sucking Corey's energy away. Oh my away. gosh. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't know that evil entities can hide their malevolence that, that well. And if Corey's seen this creature spirit thing multiple times, I feel like Corey would be able to decipher if it was negative. I don't know. Whereas the second one is so clearly evil mm-hmm. and chasing Corey up the stairs and... I don't, and lurking on the outskirts of the woods and yeah, ugh, that's so freaky. Well, now you're making me think, do you remember the show Ghost Whisperer? Uh, do I ever? Yes. One of the greatest shows. Love. But it's making me think that that first entity is actually a spirit and that I don't know if Corey has this untapped potential to essentially be this medium to help mm. the spirit to the other side, but maybe this is the opportunity. Maybe this is the spirit that's following Corey because- it's supposed to. Like, this is the moment. This is going to be the spirit that needs Corey, specifically Corey's help. Wow. And will grow Corey's own strength within spiritual realm. Okay, another dark thought. Remember in Waverly Hills, the creeper and how it like collects souls and mm-hmm. is terrifying? What yes. if this sad, lost shadow person is being absorbed by the evil one? And it's like <gasps> one of... Ooh. The evils, I don't know what to call it, but like the, how the creeper like collects souls and they're not bad yeah. spirit. Just, it just is. Your word choice there of absorb is quite interesting because before when we were talking about the collector uh, in the old Salem jail or the creeper in mm-hmm. Waverly Hills, it, it's like, oh, they, they essentially take, they collect, they 
gather. But the fact right. that you said absorb makes me really curious. Like what happens to those souls? Are they fed upon until they are absorbed and this other entity gains more momentum, gains more right. strength? I don't know. Or is this how shadow people are created? Like how there's like the mama and papa of the BEKs. Yeah. And they just collect all these. I don't know. I don't know how BEKs really work, but like. No, but we we make up backstories for them. (laughs) Is there one parental shadow figure that collects souls and over time like sucks away who they were in this life and makes them its minions? Almost. Every time we come up with a theory, I'm like, that's right. That sounds right. (laughs) There's no other way it can be anything else. I was just thinking about how we do this all the time. And I was like, wow, we would be so good at coming up with conspiracy theories and just fully believing them. (laughs) We convince ourselves. No one else. There's no cult to be to fall for because we convince ourselves before anyone else can put an idea in our mind for like, yeah, that makes total sense. I agree. Yeah, for sure. That's that's the answer. That's it. I mean, when it's when it comes to the paranormal, it kind of is the wild, wild west. And we can we can um, create new theories. Yeah, we can do whatever we want. This is our podcast. <laughs> no one gets to tell us what to do. No. I mean, they can leave mean comments. <laughs> and they and we'll cry. read them. Sometimes we take them to heart. But... Oh, yeah, that's true. We try. Um, okay. Well, since this is our podcast and we can do whatever we want, I kind of broke the rules with this one a little bit. It's kind of shadowy, but it's also by the end. Well, anyway, I'll just read it. Is it conspiracy theory? No, it's scary. Okay. <laughs> Down. <laughs> okay. This is from Kristen. And... It's called, I'm pretty sure I'm cursed by the devil tree, which is a weird New Jersey haunted pandemic activity. I think my friends and I are haunted or maybe cursed by the devil tree. First, I want to say that you are my favorite podcast. I was introduced by my friend Caroline about two years ago, and I was hooked immediately. Caroline and I go way back as weird NJ fanatics. And that's right, Sabrina, we're a couple of spooky Jersey girls. Pre-smartphones and Google, we used to walk to the local bookstore to look through the weird New Jersey books. At the time, I don't think the magazine was published yet, but there were two books available. As soon as we could drive, we went halves on the first book, picked out the spookiest places, and collected a few ghostly gals to take weekly drives to find as many places as we could, and always at night. There are so many stories from our excursions that I can't remember them all, but one of our experiences stuck with us for so long that I have truly debated for the two years I've been listening if I am brave enough to chance writing it down. I have finally mustered the courage, or maybe I'm just so bored during the pandemic, and now I'm finally telling our tale. The legend goes that there was once a farmer who murdered his whole family and then hung himself from the tree. Many have tried to cut the tree down, but anyone who tries comes to an untimely death. Today, the tree is guarded by what is said to be the devil in a black pickup truck who will chase anyone who dares to touch the tree, and you will only be safe once you reach the main highway on the other end of the road. So our story begins on a dark winter night. That year, we had already visited an abandoned Air Force base, the ghost of Annie's Road, and countless other locations, but there was one we had been putting off. And it was finally time we visit the Devil Tree. We had marked this page, waited for it to snow, as the ground beneath the tree remains unfrozen, and is said to be warm to the touch, even as the rest of the large field surrounding it remains covered in ice and snow. So we needed to see that for ourselves. 
Usually our trips included only a core group of girls, but given the description of the road and the snow on the ground, we needed a friend with a four-wheel drive in case we needed to hightail it out of there. So we brought along a friend that I'll call B with a Subaru and split into two cars. We followed the directions in the book to Mountain Road, then an unlit dark road surrounded by woods. You can now locate the tree on Google Maps and on weirdnewjersey.com, but this was pre-GPS. So when we found what we thought was the road, we called our friends in the other car to make sure they followed us in. B, having thought the plan was silly from the start, started making spooky sounds, ooing and laughing, saying this is fun, but obviously none of it's real. So we started along the long, dark road and instantly got chills and all agreed that it felt like we were being watched. The sky somehow instantly darkened and we were surrounded by thick woods on either side. There was barely enough room for our car, let alone two cars if someone tried to drive in the opposite direction. We made note of the time and our miles. We continued slowly for about 10 minutes until, bump, we slowed down. We had hit something or run something over. There was no visible pothole and we didn't see anything passing from the car. So we continued, slowing our speed further until bump, bump. My friend lost control of the wheel and almost veered off the road into the woods. Our friend in the backseat squealed in fright, and I turned to the driver and said, stop fucking around, it's not funny. But he turned to me, his face white as a sheet, and said, that wasn't me. The car swerved on its own. Didn't you see something move across the road? I said, no, I didn't. What did it look like? He said he couldn't get a good look, it just looked like a shadow. We all decided not to investigate and continued on. At this point, we also realized we had lost sight of our friends behind us. We called to see if they were close and to warn them about the bumpy ride. They answered, singing along to the radio, and said the road was smooth, and they thought it looked like they were getting close. We all agreed to continue, and when we got there, no one was to get out of the car until everyone was present. We continued for what felt like 30 minutes or so. The full length of the road should have only taken 20 minutes in total, and we all started to worry we were on the wrong road. But we hadn't made any turns, and we were sure our friends had turned on the right road behind us. We still couldn't see their car either, so we called them again, but no answer. We brushed it off as they had the music blasting and probably didn't hear the ring. About 10 minutes later, we could see a clearing, and almost immediately following, we could see our friends behind us. As the road opened up, we saw an enormous tree in the center of a snow-covered field to the left of us, and a black pickup truck parked in the distance ahead. (gasps) We all pulled over and stepped out, and as soon as our feet hit the earth, I had an overwhelming feeling that someone was watching us. I kept looking towards the truck to ensure no one was in it, and it appeared to be empty, and I decided it was just the nerves from the drive and us almost running off the road. Being the adrenaline junkie I am, or was in high school, I asked if anyone was going to feel the ground beneath the tree with me. They all hesitated, mentioning that it's just fun enough to come see it, and what if we're trespassing on private property? But B friend said we were being stupid and he wasn't afraid of anything. So he started toward the tree, and we warned him that he should not touch the tree and try to watch out for roots. He laughed and kept on walking towards it. I followed until I was beyond the ring of snow and inside the dry circle directly beneath the tree. We looked at each other, and it was clear we were both terrified. But trying to prove he wasn't, B slowly walked toward the trunk, and he leaned to touch the ground. I had to know if it was warm, and as soon as B reached his hand out, we saw a bright light. Two headlights were pointed at us. It was a black pickup truck that we had seen parked on the edge of the field. We sprinted for the cars and yelled for our friends to start the engines. I don't know if the truck followed us because we were so scared, and I think I blacked out, and no, I was not drinking. The next thing I know, we're on the same parkway heading home, and KP in the back seat was squealing that her mom was going to kill her for missing curfew. 
But that was not the end. Six years later, KP was coming over, so she and Z, my then-boyfriend, now-husband, could make a cake together and then drive down to D.C. to visit Caroline for her birthday. I was known for making elaborately decorated cakes sculpted or drawn, but this one was a silly collage of nostalgic memories, including a fat black cat made of frosting and a chocolate donut, and an inscription that read, No one likes you when you're 23, because of the Blink-182 song, and a devil tree to commemorate our weird New Jersey trips. We packed up the car and headed out. KP was driving, and for most of the trip, there were really no issues. We blasted music and scream sang our way to D.C., but when we got onto the 495, we noticed a black truck railing us with brights on. KP moved into the next lane, and we kept singing, but then I turned to see the truck veering into our lane fast. I exclaimed to KP to watch out, and she swerved to avoid being hit. The truck slowed down, and suddenly KP lost control of the car, and we started spinning, like really spinning, until she was able to stabilize enough to see where we were, but it was too late because we were moving full speed for one of those huge signposts for a rest stop. Everything went into slow motion, and as I saw my friend in shock, I grabbed the wheel and yanked it so we wouldn't hit the pole, and we veered into the brush. Miraculously, no one was injured. When we got out of the car, we were approached by a cop who took our statements, and after we told him about the black SUV, he said, no, what really happened? When we insisted that we were telling the truth, he said someone called it in and made no mention of another car anywhere near us. In fact, the person who called it in said the traffic was very light and we suddenly started swerving. After he'd left, while we waited for a tow, we inspected the car, which is now buried in the brush, to find that the two front wheels were completely perpendicular, like flat discs on the ground. I had never heard of this happening to a car, and my friend is a very cautious driver and was driving the speed limit. I have no idea what could have caused this. I think it's also worth mentioning that I have been in three major car wrecks in which I was not the driver and sustained no major injuries all after visiting the tree. One wreck, we skidded on ice and drove up a tree and flipped completely upside down, and thankfully I was wearing my seatbelt, always wear a seatbelt, and it's the only reason I survived all three crashes. It's been seven years since that accident, and my heart is racing while I write this, praying I don't invoke the devil tree curse. Apologies for the long story, but I just couldn't leave out any details. And happy hunting if you do decide to visit the devil tree. Keep on spooking, Kristen. This feels very Final Destination, doesn't it? It's like if you go and visit the Devil Tree, you're not subjected to just what you experience there in that night. Right. It will come for you and it will continue to haunt you when it chooses to haunt you. It sounds like you're not supposed to touch the tree or really do any of that and or the whatever protecting the tree is going to come after you. Yeah. Oh, so many chills. Just the fact that they it just is so freaky that they see the black truck six years later coming after them mm-hmm. and they're veering off the road and all other witnesses are just seeing erratic driving. They're not actually seeing this other right. invisible vehicle. Also, I don't know anything about cars or like what happens in situations like that. And so maybe one of our listeners can, but the way that Kristen described the tires being perpendicular, like the front two tires mm. is so bewildering to me. And I just don't, I don't know how that happens. So please, someone try to explain it to yeah, me. Yeah, the flat discs on yeah, the ground. Like it almost makes me feel like whatever that dark entity, the devil or the truck that was following them, did that to their car, which caused them to spin out. Yeah, I was just about to say that because it sounded like she was just kind of veering off and swerving, but not to the point that she would lose control like that. Right. Although, I mean, I don't know. We weren't witnesses. We didn't see. Right. But- It does seem odd. Very suspicious. 
But thank goodness that They're out of okay. all of these unlucky accidents and crashes, Kristen's been totally okay. Yeah. And everyone in all these accidents, because she said yeah. she hasn't been driving in any of them. I'm curious <sighs> if how other people, because it sounds like it was like a group of five or six people who went to the devil tree. And that one guy, B, was the one who was, you know, really instigating doing the like, oh, mm-hmm. this isn't even a real thing. I'm going to go touch the tree and I'm going to go do mm-hmm. this and this, this. I'm so curious if B has experienced lots of terrifying, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Yeah. What has happened to him? Yeah. I don't know. And I also wonder if these instances, if if the haunting comes back, if the curse only appears when someone else in their life is about to make the same mistake like what if someone else in their life is going to go and visit the devil tree and so it then reminds all of the essentially survivors of the devil tree of what it can do so that people start talking about the crazy experiences that they had and so people Mm. maybe that that's really far-fetched that it would be like this trickle effect okay but but you made you saying that made me think of something a little bit darker but like any time that a, a to completely unrelated to Kristen and her friends, but like anytime someone finds the devil tree and attempts to touch it or do whatever's not supposed to happen, then the the devil truck follows anyone and everyone who's ever been there. Ooh, ooh. It like gives it power to follow everyone, you know? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Ooh. It's like this whole community of people that are connected together unintentionally and just a group haunting. If only you knew who that was so that you could make everyone accountable and make sure no one is touching it. But you would never know. You need like a group, like a Facebook group of people who've been to the devil tree. Or hire, if someone has money in that group, like <laughs> hire security to just guard the tree and make sure no one's ever by it. Yeah. Because it's like that black truck is the devil, whatever, guarding the tree. But it feels like whatever's guarding the tree like wants people to touch it and then attack them. So we need mm-hmm. the antithesis to that, which is another guard who's protecting people from that guard. It's just, yeah, there's so many layers here. <laughs> but uh, I love how Kristen was like, if you ever go, like, have fun. Kristen, after no. this story, no. What are you no talking about? We don't want you to experience another <laughs> car crash. We're not going. We're trying to keep you safe and that's safe too. Yeah, no, not going. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What you got next? Alrighty. This is from our listener page. She says, hey, ladies, my encounter happened during the 2012 London Summer Olympics. Ooh. I'd just gotten back from a trip with my high school art history class to Europe, and my family immediately went on vacation to a lake in northern Michigan. Man, 
What a life. Yeah, tons of nice. We rented this beautiful house right on the water, and my whole family was there. My grandparents, my aunt, my parents, and my sister. About midway through the week, I woke in the middle of the night to a feeling that someone was watching me. I very carefully lifted my head and noticed that the door was open, which I made sure to close right when I went to bed. Outside of the doorway, on the landing of the stairs, stood a tall, dark, hooded figure with no defining features. Even in the darkness, I could see the deep blackness where the eyes should be. I slowly lowered my head back down in hopes that it didn't see me see it, and I cried. Then, all of a sudden, after what seemed like an hour... My aunt, who was staying in the room with my sister and I, started screaming and banging on the ceiling. We were both on top bunks in the room. Apparently, she was having a nightmare that the house was on fire and that the roof was caving in on my sister and I. I was paralyzed by fear until my parents turned the light on in the hallway. And during this whole ordeal, I kept my ears on high alert just in case it was an actual person and not a shadow figure. But I heard nothing and my mom checked all of the doors and windows for me when I told her that I had seen something. This was six years ago now, and I still feel someone watching me in the darkness every now and then. Ooh. See you on the other side, Paige. I hate that she still feels someone watching because it like, followed. I know. Paige, I'm sorry. I know. It's so creepy. And also, it's one of those things where it feels like when we talk about sleep paralysis, and so many people believe sleep paralysis is this paranormal experience. Right. I feel like this is a good example of... Her aunt essentially having this nightmare, potential sleep paralysis, this horrible night terror happening to her. And at the same time, Paige is awake and seeing this dark figure right Mm -hmm. outside of the room looking into their room. So it has to – you would think that it would have some sort of effect, some sort of correlation. Right. And that what freaks me out about it is that sometimes entities, you know, share the way that they died with you and and the way that the fire – you know, the aunt was dreaming about a fire. But then – just based on shadow people and the evilness and negativity that's come, that's I feel like is present in this story. It's so scary that this thing is manipulating her aunt's dream as it is like watching Paige, kind of mm-hmm. almost like a it. It's so evil because I just imagine it smirking and being like, "I have all this power." Right. Like just because you aren't looking at me doesn't mean that I can't make your space even more terrifying ah. to be in. Oh my gosh. Sleep well, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, what do you have? Um, Okay, this is from Miranda, and it's called The Shadow Man Trapped in the Tunnels is Watching Me. Hello, Sabrina and Corinne. My name is Miranda. I am an avid listener to your podcast, and I love listening to you both discuss the paranormal and spooky. I've been wanting to share some of my many encounters with you for a while now, but recent events have really pushed me to reach out to you guys. The story I'm about to share with you all is very scary and I have chills right now as I begin to write it. To understand my strange encounter, you need to know some backstory about myself. I have been sensitive to spirits ever since I was a little girl, from being able to see them to even feeling their presences around me. I knew I was in tune with the paranormal ever since the day I described to a T the appearance of a recently deceased doctor that used to work at my mother's work. I will never forget the look on her face as I told her about the weird man sitting on the couch in the break room and the two children dressed in the 1950s wear, playing Ring Around the Rosie as well. Oh my goodness. I later learned that my mom's work used to be a children's doctor's office, and I was only about six when all of this happened. Since that day, I have had many more experiences that I plan to share with you in the future. But for now, this is a story from when I'm in college. 
I'm now in college and have not had a paranormal experience for a while until recently. And let me tell you, this experience shook me to the core. It was late at night and I was in my dorm room with my roommate, who is also highly in tune with the spirits, even more than I am. And I realized that I had no more drinks in my fridge, so I grabbed some change and told her that I would be right back. I was just going to go to the administration building to use the vending machine. Now, my college is very old. I go to Catawba College, located in Salisbury, North Carolina, and the administration building, or admin as we call it, looks like an old castle and is said to be highly haunted. And of course, me not having a ghost experience for a long time, decided to go alone because maybe I thought I lost my ability and would be fine. But boy, was I wrong. As soon as I walked into the building, I felt a little off, but I just ignored it and went to the machine. And I remember looking up from the machine when I heard a weird sound, almost like a gibberish whisper. I shook it off and continued to get some drinks from the machine. And once I was done putting the drinks in my bag, I headed out. I walked outside and took my normal path in front of the building and its many windows back to my dorm room. Now, admin is three stories tall and has many windows in the front of it. When I was walking, I had the feeling come across me to look at the windows. So I did. My eye landed on a little window with bars on it. And slowly, my eyes made the way to the window behind it. I will never forget that window. Because as soon as my eyes went to it, a terrible cold chill, unlike anything I had ever felt, washed down my spine as I saw a deformed shadow figure staring at me, just watching me. As soon as I laid eyes on it, a male voice shouted in my head, Run! Immediately, I darted toward my room, which is a decent distance away, and I ran as fast as my flip-flops could carry me without falling. And when I couldn't run anymore, I was halfway to my building and just started power walking as fast as I could. Then the voice came back to my head and said, Don't look back. I was so confused and scared, but I did exactly as I was told. Once I got to the building, I scanned my card as quick as I could and darted inside. Now, as soon as you enter the building to your left, under the stairs is a little white door, almost like the one in the movie Coraline. This door is very important to remember in my story. Once I got inside, to my horror, there was a black blob shadow in front of that door, like it was halfway out or stuck in the door. Once I saw it, the voice came back and said, go. I listened and darted down the hall, fiddled with my key, entered my room and slammed the door shut before I slid down it and became a big pile of exhaustion and relief. My roommate looked at me very concerned and I immediately told her what had happened. She rushed to my side and pet my hair as she tried to calm my trembling body. Never had I been that scared of a spirit before and ever since that event, strange things have been happening. Now it's time for the fun part of my story where I share my discoveries and the connecting of the links. If you remember the door I talked about, behind it is what is really important. When I came to this college, I ended up becoming friends with many people who are part of the Paranormal Investigation Club or the Spook Club, as they are called. My friends told me that the school has many hidden entrances into the Salisbury Tunnels. And this is where it gets interesting. Salisbury Tunnels don't have a ton of information about them that I could find, but I did find out it is known for its Civil War prison. And after my paranormal experience, I did some major digging into these tunnels because that door that I talked about is an entrance to one of the tunnels. I went to open it, and to my disbelief, I stared down into an abandoned-looking shaft that no one knows how deep it is. There are even old nails from where the door used to be nailed shut, but someone recently pried it open. Now, the connection between the Civil War prison and this tunnel was made known to me when I found an old article about how the prisoners created tunnels in order to escape the prison. And I figured this had to be one of those tunnels because it made too much sense not to be. Once I found this out, I went back to my dorm room and told my roommate. 
My roommate, who is highly sensitive, says she sees spirits better than me and can even sense them and if they are good or bad. She also has a spirit who she calls her brother attached to her that protects her and I. I'll call him Jake because I don't want to disclose his real name. But after the night I told her about the tunnels, I then told her about the male voice in my head that told me to run. And it was then as if a light switch turned on. It was Jake. He spoke to me and kept me safe. Once we made this connection, my mind was blown. What is happening here? A couple days after this conversation, I was studying in the common room of my dorm building when this heavy presence settled over me. I immediately ignored it, thinking to myself that it couldn't hurt me because I'm protected by my religious beliefs and Jake. I kept telling it to go away when suddenly a deep sadness came over me and my eyes started spewing tears. I immediately got up and went back to my room and instantly told my roommate and she became very confused. She said there's a spirit that stays in the common room, but she's not sad. That's weird. She told me and we both just shook our heads. And then I went to the bathroom and was talking to her as I came out. I turned the lights off to the bathroom and left the door open behind me. But my roommate immediately stopped talking and stared behind me. As soon as she did this, I asked her if there was anything behind me. And she calmly said, yes. I then, with my back to the door, quickly closed it. And once I did, I instantly asked what she saw. What she told me sent all the familiar chills down my spine. She said it was a deformed human figure standing behind me. And we both knew exactly what it was. It was the thing that I saw from the admin that other night. I ran to my bed and she closed her eyes as she tried to ask Jake what was going on. He showed her a picture of a cross and a black void. The cross was me and the void was the shadow man. After some major thinking, we finally concluded that whatever was in the admin was an entity trapped inside the Civil War tunnels and it was connected to our dorm building. I later found out that there are several entrances to the tunnels in an admin, as well as one that is believed to be connected from admin to my dorm building. Whatever this thing is, we believe it is interested in me because of my faith and is trapped inside of the Salisbury tunnels. Jake also revealed that I am safe, but this thing is watching me because of my deep curiosity in the tunnels. But I'm so confused. Why me? And why was the entity sad when it was obviously something evil? Even my roommate said it was. But when it was behind me, it wasn't actually there. She told me she didn't sense its presence and it appeared to be more of a projection. The whole encounter had us both stumped and slightly on edge. So maybe you guys have some insight into what is happening to me and can understand my very bad description of my story because strong because writing is not my strongest gift. Hey girl, this was great. Thanks for listening. It feels so good to be able to reach out with people in these situations and get some positive advice. And I hope you enjoyed my spooky history lesson as well. Keep being spooky and awesome and see you both on the other side. Love, Miranda. Well, this reminds me a bit of that book that we both read. Uh, the one that's like Mean Girls meets Salem Witch Trials. Oh, oh, How to Hang a Witch. How to Hang a Witch. There we go. That one, because she has someone looking out for her. She has someone speaking to her and protecting her and watching her in the tunnels. Yeah. But the tunnel one is like spooky. Jake is the good one. True. I- I'm just thinking that he must always be with her in some capacity and to be able to warn her. But yeah, you're right. Her interest in the tunnels didn't come until after she she saw this entity. So it almost makes me feel like this entity wanted her to do research into the tunnels to like maybe figure mm-hmm. out who they are. Or maybe it is just like a shadow person that lurks in the tunnels. Because, I mean, maybe it was just a projection of the spirit behind her in her dorm room. But it sounds like the thing's not stuck in the tunnels anymore. Well, this is making me think a little bit of the last episode we did on Ghost Towns. When I was talking about the Bennington Triangle and the one boy who went missing and how his parents kept saying he was talking about Mm -hmm. the woods. He was drawn to the mountains. The mountains were calling him. And in this case, she was called by the tunnels 
she had this sudden interest. Yeah, don't go in the tunnel. The sudden entry. That's oh, you're so right. Maybe it's trying to draw her into the tunnels. <gasps> and so many people go missing in tunnels. There's so many conspiracy theories surrounding disappearances in state parks and aliens and Bigfoot. And oh my god, cannibals and also the tunnel system that connects so many or is right near so many of these disappearances. So it'd be so easy to get turned around, especially if there's some sort of paranormal manipulation when in the tunnels. Or just Miranda, please never go, go in the tunnels. Avoid, avoid, avoid. Don't like that at all. Yeah, because it does. You're right. The the sudden interest in the tunnels and the sudden draw to research them. Good to research them. It's okay to know what's there, but don't feel tempted to go because it's. Right. I don't think anything good can happen in there. No. Oh, that's so spooky. At, at least you know. You know, like it sounds like it's going. Whatever bad thing could happen would happen there. So at least there's some. There's some relief in knowing that you can avoid it i guess true i hope i think i don't know oh that's so scary (laughs) it's very scary i have one from Brittany. this is the last one i'll read big hello to my most favorite ghostesses i know how much you like balance in your stories i wanted to share a scary one and then i'll throw in a happy (laughs) one too so if you want to read it you can my first story started when i was in third grade and my sister was in kindergarten we lived in a two-story townhouse which had always been pretty active Slamming doors, heavy footsteps, sometimes above us when we were in the second floor where there was no attic, and sometimes above us when we were on the first floor with no one upstairs. We were kids, so it freaked us out a little bit, but mostly we just thought it was cool to live in a haunted (laughs) house. I was pretty much raised by a single mom, and money was tight, so we had always had roommates to supplement my mom's income. Finally, my mom was making enough money to support us in the house without a roommate, and our roommate had moved out. For the first time in our lives, my sister and I were going to have our own rooms. During my first night alone, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw the shadow of a man in a hat in the corner of my room. I shut my eyes and I opened them again. And when I did, he was gone. I was terrified. I wanted my baby sister. She's always been fearless, my little bull. I had a plan in my head. I would wake her up and I would tell her, I just wanted to make sure that you weren't afraid. So I wouldn't have to admit how scared I was. (laughs) When I opened my door, I saw a small shadow on the third stair from the top. Immediately, I turned the light on. It wasn't a ghost. It was my baby sister. She was asleep on the stairs. I whispered, Booger, wake up. But I didn't attempt to shake her awake. She's always been a really hard sleeper, so I walked into my mom's room to tell her that she needed to carry her back into bed. Standing at her door, I said, Mom, Lace is asleep on the stairs. My mom, clearly confused and sleepy, asked me what I had just said. Lacey's asleep on the stairs. As my mom turned on her bedside lamp, my sister popped up next to her. I'm right here. (gasps) I kid you not. I started bawling. The way that her eyes got big, her chin jutting slightly to the side, her back as flat as a board as she snapped up beside her. I knew I had seen her there. When I turned back towards the stairs to prove that I had seen my sister, there was no one there. Mm -mm. I turned back towards my mom and sister and my sister looked normal again. But I will never forget the way that she popped up. Less than a week later, my grandma was spending the night with us. She fell down the stairs in the middle of the night and she broke her tailbone when she was going down to get water. Oh no. She says she tripped over the cat on the third stair. The cat slept by my side every night and he was absolutely sleeping by my side that night too. Chucky never left in the middle of the night. 
ever. And we moved into another townhome the next week, and we had some crazy experiences there too, which makes me think that the whole lot was built on something awful. Whoa, whoa. But now for the palate cleanser. As I mentioned above, I was pretty much raised by a single mom. My dad was an addict and wasn't around all the time. We always saw him on summer vacations, and after I was about 13, we were able to build a relationship, albeit a rocky one. One night when I was 16, around 5.15 p.m., my dog started growling, barking, and wagging her tail in our kitchen. She did this for five days at 5.15, and on the sixth day, a distant cousin who I'd never met showed up at my door and asked to talk to my mom. My mom stepped outside, and she returned, puffy-eyed, and she delivered what would become the worst news that I'd ever gotten. Six days earlier, my father had gone into a coma while lifting a jacuzzi a few minutes after he'd gotten off work. 5.15. It's a long story, but basically, he had plugs in his veins, and the force of the lift popped one out. Oh my gosh. The family didn't want to tell us, hoping that he would come out of it, but eventually the doctor said that it wasn't likely that he would come out of the coma, and so they sent my cousin to tell us in person. My dog kept barking, growling, and wagging her tail at 5.15 for a week while we spent time at my father's bedside. She stopped the day that he died. Most of my favorite memories, I have chills, most of my favorite memories with my dad took place in the kitchen. The man loved to eat, and we spent our summers creating new flavors of milkshakes in my grandma's kitchen. My dad has always sent me little signs that he's around. One morning, a few months after he passed, I woke up, I looked over at his cowboy hat that I still keep hanging on my wall, and I noticed the photo that I kept pinned on the wall below it, the last photo that we ever took together, was missing. I flew out of my bed, and as I did, the picture floated to the ground. It was on my chest. The pin was still on the wall where it hung the night before, and the photo itself wasn't torn where the hole was. I knew my dad had been around. I also had an alarm clock without batteries, which would go off at 5.15 every day, even though it wasn't plugged in. I attached a video in case you want to watch. I'm sad to say I lost the clock during a move a few years back, but I know it was him saying hello. That was going to be the last one, but I had a weird weekend, and I thought I'd share a short one after listening to gold and wormholes and UFOs, oh my, this morning. Mm -hmm. I thought it was too strange of a coincidence to leave out. This weekend, my husband and I brought our daughter hiking for the first time. We wanted to do a shorter hike since we didn't know how well she would do. And we went to a trail that we've hiked many, many times together and hiked about a mile to the trailhead before turning around and heading back. We didn't know if she would tire out to keep going and we didn't really want to risk it. It took us about an hour to make the mile trip out and we expected the trip to go a little bit faster as it always has. At one point, I was scanning the horizon looking for our car when I realized that we'd somehow gotten over a mile off track. I looked down at my phone and it had been three and a half hours since we turned around. My husband was in disbelief, and he kept telling me that there was no way that it was our car. It was. He said we needed to turn back, and we needed to try to figure out where we went wrong. No freaking way am I heading back into the red rock triangle slash walking back into another dimension. So we walked all the way out to the road, and we followed the road back to our car. So freaking weird. I have so many stories I could share, but I will save them for another day. If you're still reading, I hope you enjoyed. Thank you for taking the time to share our stories and to make us all feel a little better knowing that we will see you on the other side. Whoa. Brittany. So many stories in this. Basically, Brittany's experienced it all. She's seen the hat man. She's seen some sort of doppelganger version of her sister. She's seen some sort of manipulation of her sister slash possession for a moment. Oh my gosh. She's been visited by her father numerous times. 
she had a weird glitch in the matrix. There's no way you're hiking for like four and a half hours. Yeah. And don't stop to like pee. You would have to. Right. Just time just warped. That's so strange. Yes. I, I am also just so shook by this entity that was like mimicking her sister and then the cat because mm-hmm. and, and caused her grandmother to break her tailbone, I which know. is a horrible injury. Speaking from experience, it's awful. But like it's clear that this entity is like trying to cause damage and hurt people Mm -hmm. and for it to be able to like transform itself into so many different things like her sister and a cat which is you know for the grandma to be like oh i tripped over the cat it must have been in a small sized shape like it did appear as the cat you know yeah and it was it was appearing as it needed to for each person like if it had appeared as her younger sister to her grandmother, her grandmother wouldn't have probably continued on down the stairs, right. I would assume. She would be like, hey, what are you doing? And help her back to bed. But it appeared as a cat, something that her grandmother would have felt comfortable walking past on the stairs or stepping over. Ugh. I just like want to know what it wanted. Like, did it want Brittany to touch her sister? And like, what would, because she said that she didn't shake her awake because she thought that it she wouldn't be able to wake her up. Which I'm yeah. glad that she didn't. Luckily, touch she was her. a hard sleeper. Yeah. So, uh, what did it want, and, and what would have happened had Brittany tried to shake this evil entity mimicking her sister? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Very, very, very creepy. But it, it sounds like now Brittany has her dad looking out for her, mm-hmm. which is That's so special. True. And I, it sounds like even in his coma at five fifteen every day, he had the ability to essentially project himself yeah. elsewhere. And so the dog that was like, Hey, you're not normally here. So I'm going to bark because yeah. you just popped up, but also I'm going to wag my tail. Cause I'm excited to see you. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that the alarm goes off at five fifteen, I mean, that's, that's very, we've heard that type of experience before, but oh, and the photo being left on her chest while she was sleeping. It's so sweet. Just floating on down. Wow. Oh, so nice. So nice. And so sweet. Okay. I have one to end us on. Great. And it is called When TGOG Helps You Get Rid of a Ghost. (laughs) And it's from Crystal. Hey, ladies. This is a story about how I think y'all might have unknowingly helped me get rid of a ghost, as far as I know. So I moved into my current apartment at the end of March, and I felt that weirdness since I moved in. But I chucked it up to just being a new place, and I was living in it all by myself. But once I started talking to this new guy, who I was pretty unsure of, and having him over, things got worse. Feelings of being watched constantly, deep, dark shadows in the living room, noises throughout the day that got worse at night, even a breathing in my ear when I was reading in bed one night. It got so bad that I had to sleep with my lamp on, something I've never done in all of my life despite whatever occurrences I've had. And even then, I could barely sleep. So I started spending more time at my parents than at my own. Y'all gave me the idea of staging, but something about that just didn't feel right in my gut. Almost like that doing it would make it mad. I say it because I still couldn't get a sense of if it was a ghost or not, or if it meant any harm to me. Until I continuously kept getting sleep paralysis with terrifying visions and literally couldn't sleep unless I was not in my apartment. So I knew I had to do something and soon. One night, again, I had sleep paralysis and recognized what was happening. So I tried to calm myself and wake up fully until I finally, after all this time, saw a humanoid shadow with long arms standing in the door. Even though I couldn't see the face, I knew it was smiling. It knew it had me trapped. I started to fight, trying to push myself off of the bed, 
effectively making me hang off the side of it, still paralyzed, but still trying to move and scream or anything. It cocked its head to the side, and suddenly this English bulldog-like creature was in front of it, coming towards me, its head twisting upside down. I just knew the shadow thought it had me because it knew that the dog thing would scare me, obviously. But then I remembered one or both of y'all speaking about telling spirits, negative or not, your intention or setting guidelines. So in my head, because I still couldn't do anything but moan, I started yelling, you are not welcome here. This is my home, a place of light, and you belong in the dark. You do not belong here. I immediately woke up shaking, breathing hard, and my throat felt like I had been yelling. Needless to say, I didn't sleep well the rest of the night, and I had no idea of if what I did would help. But since then, I stopped seeing the thing, and I stopped seeing that guy that I was worried about for so many reasons, and I make an effort to say a cleansing chant when I feel uneasy, and I live my life as best as I can in the light with positive intentions. It's been maybe three months since I've experienced anything like that in the apartment, knock on wood, and I mentally thank y'all every time I think of it. So I felt I should finally thank you in a physical email. Keep up the great work. You do more than you know, Crystal. Oh, okay. Wow. This is nice (laughs) because there's nothing, hopefully nothing's happened. So this ended on a great note, but I'm just visualizing like English bulldogs. So cute. But in this scenario, no. Terrifying. Coming at her, barking and its head twisting. Yeah. Horrifying. And she, she had like managed to kind of lean off the side of the bed so she was almost closer to the ground so the dog was closer to her which is even more terrifying oh yeah and she wasn't really able to move that much and moaning and it's just so giving me the disturbing image from i i don't think it was silence of the lambs i think it was hannibal the the sequel where the guy's in the wheelchair and he's Mm. basically being like eaten alive by these the pig large boars yeah yeah and it's giving me that vibe where you're just kind of, you're helpless and something's coming for you. Ooh. Also, this email is from 2018. So it's been like two and a half years now. I need, we need to know, Crystal, are you still okay? Has it continued or has it stayed clear since then? I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> we sure hope so. We'll do a check-in. When we respond to the email, yeah. we will do a check-in, Crystal, because I love to think that these, you know, this podcast is helping people get rid of spirits that are negative. Right. And I I don't think we can't take too much credit for it because I think a lot of the advice that comes is from the listener stories that we read. So it's really from the community, from everybody who's pitching in there. But it's because we're reading it here, people are hearing it and realizing that there are ways. So yeah, it's, it's amazing that our community is helping each other. Good job, everybody. All around. Hopefully we saved Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. Okay, well... This was scary. Yeah. Hope you all sleep well and don't have nightmares of paranormal things or spiders calling down or see shadows that give you sleep paralysis because that sounds awful. But if you do. disturbing nightmares like Sabrina's. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm disturbed from you just retelling it. (laughs) But if you do have any of these experiences or have in the past, we do want to hear them and read them. Please tell us. So please tell them. Email them to us at twogirlsmongoespodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review on iTunes. Do it for us. Do it for all of your favorite podcasts. It actually so, so helps in terms of getting us on the charts and accessible to other people, which in turn just helps us continue on. You can also tell other people word of mouth is great. Our little pyramid scheme. That's what we like. You can join us on social media 
And we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have Twitter. Real quick, thank you to Brooke Foster and Eric Foster and everyone at Upfire Digital who edits our podcast. We're very grateful for you. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.